We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Yeah. I don't know the sound. Oh, I got to turn up the music. Okay, let's play. (laughs) That's all, folks. July. July. It's a terrible, that's Porky Pig, terrible Porky Pig. (laughs) I don't know if I can do a Porky Pig. Try it. Just do it real quick. I I just embarrass myself. You can can embarrass yourself. Okay. Well, let me get in character. That's all, folks. (laughs) That wasn't terrible. That wasn't terrible. That was better than mine. That was better (laughs) than mine, that's for sure. Oh, delete this. Never play this. Uh, Never show this. I remember I always thought like I did a really good tasmanian devil and then like i recorded myself and i'm like oh that that's terrible like that's not good at all uh he does like the (laughs) (laughs) i thought i used to be able to do yoda pretty well yes scared you are (laughs) (laughs) i think you do a good job of it Uh, i think it's when uh when um it's when you hear yourself back you're just like, oh, I, I thought I was doing better. Like, you're never as good as you think you're doing, I think. It, it, like, unless you're a professional and then you probably know how you're doing. But, like, whatever you do, whether it's good or not, you think you're better than that. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, in my head, I think I hear it before it comes out and it sounds great. And so I think there's a resonance of that still even though it really doesn't sound like okay. it. <laughs> okay, okay, hey, wait, 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 wait. Here's a poll, here's a poll. People watching, should we do, I've got an idea just now, where I oh, think Lord. what we should do is a voiceover challenge, where you and I take like really famous scenes in like animation and shows like that, and you and I do the voices for the characters just to see like how terrible it could be. Oh, that Dude, have would I ever be told epic you the fail on purpose. No, no, hang on. You need to hear this. You need to hear the story. So I went to Disney World when I was a kid, right? Well, I say kid. I was probably like 15. It's I was in a band at the time. I was, I was a singer in a band. I was, I was like 26. A well, I was, it was a heavy metal band, so it's like screaming. So it's not really being a singer, right? Uh, in the traditional form of melody, if you will. So we go to this in Disney. They had these like sound booths where you would see like subtitled down below what the characters are saying and you'd have to do the voiceover for them. And what I did is I, I, I cupped, I cupped the mic. Like I, I covered it, which does a couple of things. One, it muffles it, which is, you know, why a lot of metal singles will do that, you know, adds distortion to it, but it also makes it a lot louder. Like if you're not cupping, <laughs> it's just a lot quieter, but I don't think I realized how much louder it would be. It's no longer there. If you go to Disney today, it's not there, but this is, <laughs> my dad is so embarrassed to this day because I was doing Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I was voicing the witch, offering the apple to Snow White. Oh, I, I do my recording, cupping the mic because I didn't want my sisters to hear. When it plays back, it was the sound of Satan booming so 
loud in this Do you studio. want apple? So it was so loud. My dad stood stiffed back, turned around, and walked out, pretending not to know us. My mom runs over and is hitting all the buttons on the sound booth, trying to get it stopped. Babies are crying and being rushed out of the building. It was so dang loud. I had no idea it was going to be this loud. And you go out into the street. It's like one of those movies where everybody is frozen and their head is turned and looking at this building because of this loud sound that's coming out of it. That's my first and last voice acting experience. So if you guys want to check that out, let us know. We'll do a voice acting voice challenge for you. <laughs> that could be fun and dangerous and a failure all at the same time. <laughs> but I'm up for the challenge to embarrass way, myself for your viewing pleasure. Welcome to the Codex Cantina. I'm Una. <laughs> and I'm Crypto, and we're doing the July wrap-up. <laughs> Our schedule's way off. Did you guys know we took two weeks off in July? Like, we busted busted in june to have yeah. enough content and now we're trying to pump some stuff out for august because we've got to really pack august not because it's the most the least watched month of booktube for us <laughs> yeah. but because it's women in translation month coming up in august and that is super important to us so stay tuned for our tbr on that let's do a wrap-up on july which some of these were a long time ago because of our two-week break okay let me see if i can remember i read stuff we're doing pick pick of the month. Oh, we're doing pick of the month. Okay, let's do pick of the month. Um, you go. All right, first I've got my time. pick. I've got you my go. pick. You want me to do it? Yeah. This is. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's in retrospect. Mine's Sanshido by oh. Hatsume Soseki. I kind of wanted to pick that one, but I was like, uh, he'll probably pick East of Eden, so I can pick Shanshiro. <laughs> well, well, now you can pick East of Eden. Okay. Yeah, I, I think they're both worth reading in our circles. But I think maybe East of Eden wins out a little bit in the grander scheme of literature, maybe. I don't know. It's a good argument, right? East of Eden has to be in the sh- in the running for first classic someone could pick up. I think I think this is easily relatable, very deep if you need to, but very surface if you want to. It's it's the most approachable classic that I can think of right now, I think. The only the only challenge to it is that it's 600 pages. That's the only downfall to like recommending it to anyone if you will yeah and chanshiro if you're more of like a history nerd or you you know really love japanese history and or culture i think that you pick up that one over east of eden maybe or and the 600 pages is daunting to you but i i love both books so they're both fantastic it's the underdog it's the underdog right i'm picking the underdog because i know most people east of eden's a safer bet Right, but Sanchido is very interesting for someone looking to learn more about the Meiji era and how how it could impact the people at the time and how there was so much fear and and there's this over dread. There's dread happening because of how fast their society's changing and they don't know what they're going to become. If I could assign books to go along with my AP curriculum, I just I don't have time. I wish I had 2 years for my AP world history students. I would assign this book when we got to this time period for Japan in uh, the 19th century, for sure. You get a really good idea for the life of the Meiji era. If I recall correctly, there were some, it was very peak and valley rate, like read, like there was some highlights and there was also some lowlights, if you will, too. Like I could do without that. But it was 200 pages and it's like stuffed 
with great wisdom, philosophy, and just experiences. Humor. And it's just it's character hysterical. development. Yeah, very, very hysterical. Now, East of Eden, oh gosh, like how do you come up with something negative to say besides like it's six hundred pages? Like I can't think of a single negative thing to say, perhaps, of it. Can you? Um uh, I mean, I I would have to be super nitpicky. I mean, n- nothing of substance to say negative about it. No, right, right. It's it's not too on the nose, like like you'd expect perhaps with a book called East of Eden. It's not too deep. It's not too shallow. It's like the perfect blend, and it just flows, and it's hysterical. It's it flowed, entertaining. Yeah. It makes you so angry at one of the characters. Like you love to hate this one character, and for a book to make you feel that way, not in a way of like you're disgusted with the book, but like. I hope that character gets their comeuppings. Like that says something (laughs) that says something about a book. And it says something about you that you feel so strongly about that. Yeah. My emotions were all over the place. And when a book can do that, then obviously it is done something correct. Uh, Yeah. Besides maybe a little bit wordy and kind of feels drawn out towards the end, but then it ramps up and it, it, it leaves you satisfied yeah, it, it's hard without nitpicking little tiny details to say negative things about uh, East of Eden. So Johnny Stein did good on that one. Let's do some stars. Sanshiro, we're going to do one to five star rating. What are you giving Sanshiro? Oh, stars. This is all new to me. Um, what? <laughs> how much do the stars equal? I, is it what? plasma? I don't know. Uh, 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 five. <laughs> I'm confused. Five for Sanshiro? Four. In half? I'm not trying to talk you out of it. What, what's going on over there? I don't know. We, ch- the star we thing changed our rating system, me. and it's like you broke down. <laughs> Co- collected? I don't know. <laughs> oh, goodness. This is terrible. Uh, We're going back to our old rating system. <laughs> I give it a 10. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with, um. gosh, this is, because it really depends if you're a peak or valley raider, too, right? Because the peaks were so high. That's just it's just there's just memorable parts of this, and, and but there's also low parts. So how are you rating it? I'm gonna go with like an average and accept that there were low parts, and I'm gonna say three out of five stars. Okay, I but, like that rating, but which is hard because like those high points are like amazing. Like I've very rarely reached high points as high as that book got, right? Except for like maybe like Dostoevsky for me, Kurt Vonnegut. Very rarely has an author touched me in a way. That sounds weird <laughs> that this book did. So so I'm looking forward to reading more from this author, I guess, is one of the big takeaways. Now, East of Eden, I mean, five out of five. Is that even arguable? <laughs> I, I guess, again, somebody could say it was too long and wordy. I'm going to get yeah. a four out of five. But yeah, that one's a definite five out of five. Yeah, okay, that's Loved a good it. point. Like, you know, some people will find it wordy, four, four out of five. And I get that, like, you know, like, it's just different preferences, right? Like, I'm not going to condemn you for it. But if you wrote it... But if you're, li- if you, you're reading if you classic literature, was, I mean, come on. <laughs> you have to expect I want to know. I want to know. If you read classic literature and you gave this one a one out of five, I need to hear you. I need to hear your voice because I want to know, like, what what did it what feel What is a five like? out of five to you? Yeah, because, gosh, this book was incredible. Now, something I didn't tell you about, but I read the BFG. Have, have you heard of that one? Uh, Roll Doll, right? You read it with your son? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, my son and I did the Roll Doll on our trip out to Knoxville in our two week break here. Um, so, that have you done that one? Uh, I have not read that Roll Doll story, no. I was a James and the Giant Peach kind of guy, remember? Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember that. 
So for that one, I would say this. You go back and watch like some 80s comedies now. Some of it doesn't hold up so well. You know what I mean? <laughs> it dated, yeah. I, I would say there was parts that were pretty funny for me. Like like he's he's doing a lot of wordplay where he's talking about countries, how, you know, people from Swedish taste sweet, right? And people from <laughs> Turkey taste like Turkey. And people from Greece are greasy, right? Like it's like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> like, like it starts out kind of funny and some of those are kind of cringy. But then it got to Japan and it said like they were... What did it say? It said they were like short or something like that, which, you know, you know, statistically they are shorter, but it still felt very, it started to get to the, it started to get to the point where people were put in so many boxes. You're in this box, you're in this box. And that's, it's just not to, it just doesn't hold up so well to modern sensibilities, if you will. And there's so much like funky wordplay that like it kind of, for me, like if you're into that, like you're going to love it. Like if you love like creative little twists and terms and when like characters invent their own words, like this is probably a book for you to me that, that wears on me a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not getting super negative on it, but I think that's what brought it down if I'm able to articulate that. So I would go four out of five stars for me on this one. Definitely some super cringy moments that I don't think held up as well. I actually read uh, another novel too on the side um, that I forgot to tell you about. My niece finished her second full uh, novel, and she read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, so oh. I went ahead and read that real quick. You know, it's pretty short, um, so I was the able to just read it in a few hours. The Chronic Calls of Narnia! The Chronic yeah, so she read. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they do, a, a, you know, a book that has a movie, so when they finish the book, they get to watch the movie, even though that movie is awful, in my humble opinion. Um, <laughs> the book was fantastic. Uh, even after reading all these years later, it has, you know, intrigue and fantasy and cool characters yeah. and adventure and action. And, you know, uh, I, I loved it. So, I, you know, Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe still a five out of five for me. So maybe one day uh, Crypto Yellow and I will do another little uh, breakdown of uh, her second novel she ever read. So we'll see. We kind of talked about it as I was on my vacation visiting her for her sixth birthday. And uh, it was interesting how to view it through the eyes of a child and not be so analytical. It was fun. Can you not bring up the Red Scare and stuff like that if you do an analysis? But she doesn't. <laughs> I was watching I would, your James I, and the Giant Beach. I was like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, it's there. <laughs> uh, no, it's there. It's there. But the, the, with a six-year-old, she's just like, what? <laughs> I'm going to bring up all the religious stuff when we do the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's, it's going <laughs> to happen. It has yeah, to. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of stuff in there. I read that when I was like mid-20s, so I still recall it pretty well. But that, that, that was a fun series. I like that series. Now, Me speaking too. of series, let's go to Comics and Manga, where you and I did the Green Light Blackest Night run. We We started from Rebirth. Uh, I read all of them along with the Green Lantern Core series. I think you've read some of the highlights because you couldn't get access to all of them. Uh, Jeff Johns, greatest run, allegedly. What are you going to give this one? I'm going to give it a four out of five. I will say that it is amazing. Definitely worth a read. Uh, definitely worth spending your money on. Uh, I loved it. I loved getting back into comics since I really hadn't been reading a lot lately since I'd been focusing mostly on our novels and short stories. Um, yeah, I mean, you, if you like DC comics, you're going to love it. If you like Green Lantern, it's going to be your favorite ever. Um, if you just like comics in general, maybe you get a three out of five, but, um, getting back into it, I, 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 I loved it. It was great. You know what it five. was to me? It was very, what's the purpose of life? 
You know what I mean? But maybe not the most advanced discussion of it. But it was definitely there. And I thought it was interesting because you had like, here we had the blue lanterns that are very like faith, right? Like you got to believe and you got to have, you got to have trust and hope in something. And then you had like Necron who was like the nihilist that wanted to destroy everything and believed only in death and stuff like that. And you had like the purple, which were the the love free hippie movements, if you will. And then <laughs> and you had like Larfries who was like the, he was all about himself. He was kind of like objectivism, like kind of like an Ayn Rand type character. <laughs> If you will, but yeah. uh, <laughs> the orange, yeah, the greed. I, I, it's there. I thought it was kind of interesting. I'll go four out of five as well. All right, so we're done with comics. Let's move on to everyone's favorite: our shorty shorts. We read yeah, a so lot of short just, stories. Yeah, let's let's group them together and just kind of talk about what the highlights were, what we'd recommend. So we did a day's wait by Ernest Hemingway, the nineteen sixty three nineteen eighty two girl from Ipanema by Haruki Murakami, as well as the elephant vanishes. And then we did Sweetness by Toni Morrison, A Hunger Artist by Franz Kafka, and The Chrysanthemums by John Steinbeck. What, what were some of the highlights for, of these for you? Uh, sweetness, Toni Morrison, wow, character development, T- 10 out of 5, if you're doing this 5-star thing, collect it, read it, get in your brain, please read that one. That was definitely the standout for me. It it was in contention. If there were two other novels, like if we had read Song of Susanna and maybe something else, uh, Sweetness probably would have been my pick of the month for sure. Uh, I was very surprised with A Day's Wait. I'm not a big Hemingway fan. He's growing on me. I'm coming around to understanding his writing style of you know that crispness that's there, I guess you could say. Um, I was surprised of how much I was able to get out of that one and enjoy it. Um, and then of course, John Steinbeck, you know, we did the novel and then we did chrysanthemums. And for me, it's always a joy to see how excited you get about the flowers and how much (laughs) I realize I don't know and how much you can learn from a story like that with how you were able to pull out so much information of all these little nuances on what the colors and the type of flowers mean in literature. And I love that because I was never taught that in in high school or college so it's a joy to me for you to have so much fun with it and then teach me about it as well for me i would add on to that the hunger artist i enjoyed that one because i thought we had a really interesting discussion on that with the idea of social media Uh, that's actually coming out today so i haven't even looked at what it's 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 it looks like but i can promise you at least i'll have like one or two dislikes by then because we had such an out there interpretation like right like like the themes are there to kind of compare, you know, commodity and art to it. But I know some people have a hard time adjusting to really out there interpretations. But I think that's what our channel wants to do is we want to continue to push really creative ways of how do we find meaning in literature. And that's not to say to contort it to something it's not supposed to be, but to look at it and then really say, how does this apply from a a use in my life today, right? The usage of not having food is not relevant for me. I'm very fortunate enough to have food on my plate every day. So I cannot relate to the biographical take that you pointed out at the end of that video of him, you know, not having as much food, but I can relate from that concept of uh, the pushing for more and what does art mean versus what does it mean to commoditize something. So that meant very, that meant, that meant a lot to me. And it also came out right when we were doing Patreon too, right? As we started to commoditize ourselves as YouTube already commoditizes us and is making you watch videos like this and other videos and stay on the platform and try and trick your brain into spending as much time as possible. It's just 
what a cool story to kind of bring that out. I, I, I like that one. One dislike. The video has one dislike. Oh, did you just look it up? That's funny. I, I yeah. knew it would get, I, knew <laughs> I was intrigued. I was like, ooh, that. I wonder if we do have two dislikes. Yeah. No, because whenever whenever you have like a really out there, the, the dislike, I mean, who knows what that means? Like sometimes it's like you're wrong. Sometimes it's like I don't care for that interpretation. But I'd rather have uh, a video out there that pushes uh, what does literature mean in our lives then try and play it safe to try to avoid dislikes. Like that, that makes no sense to me. So I, and they I interact with the video. With... So I'm fine with it too. Hit those dislikes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to keep pushing this literature. If you guys are happy for us to keep pushing this literature, hit that subscribe button. A big shout out to all of our patrons that have made this possible and are helping us to keep the channel running because we have a very expensive hobby here, if you will. So guys, we super appreciate your support out here. We post videos every Monday and Wednesday with bonus videos on Tuesdays. Una out. Peace.